0: thought about it or not, but I've, I've often said, you know, Memorial Day just, just might be the most useful of all of the holidays. It's useful in, in one sense because it reminds us of how much we have to be thankful for, but it's also useful in the sense that it forces us to think about life and death and eternity. And so as we as we celebrate this time of the year, uh, hopefully it will be a reminder of how we ought to live by thinking of those that have died that we might have freedom. Open your Bibles, please, to the book of Proverbs chapter number 10. Proverbs chapter number 10. My records serve me right. I can't depend on my mind. I have to look at my records, and if my records serve me right, it's been eight years since I preached the message from this text. Proverbs 10 and verse number 7. The memory of the just is blessed, but the name of the wicked shall rot. The Memory of the Just, that's the title of our message this morning. As you know, especially those who have been studying with us on Wednesday evening through the book of Proverbs, it is to gain knowledge and to exercise wisdom. That's the purpose of it. And the theme of the book is wisdom as opposed to folly. And by way of contrast and also by way of comparison, it reminds us that there are two ways to live, right and wrong. We, we can live wisely or we can live the life of a fool. And many verses in this wonderful book tells us that it does make a difference in how we live. And here in our text this morning, we see... One of those differences. It says, "The notice, the memory of the just is blessed, but the name of the wicked shall rot. There are three things that stand out in this verse. And the first thing is the most glorious, and that is the dignity of the saints. The memory of the just is blessed. I think history proves that's true because we tend to remember those who are righteous. It might be a godly parent that you're thinking about this morning. It might be a dedicated teacher that invested in your life and contributed to your life. It might be a faithful minister. It might be a kind neighbor or some honorable statesman. But all of us can think of someone that made a contribution to our life. And whenever we begin to think about life and death, automatically that person's name comes to mind. And as long as there are just people upon the earth, the just will be remembered. In fact, in Psalms 112 and verse number 6, it says, "...the righteous shall be in everlasting remembrance." And then we think of the book of Hebrews in chapter number 11, that entire chapter speaking about the heroes of the faith. And over and over again, the writer gives us examples of men and women who lived by faith, who lived righteous lives. And the Bible says in verse 2 of that chapter that they obtained a good report. And by that it's simply talking about the fact that they had gained a good reputation by the manner in which they lived. I love what it says about Abel in verse number four. It says, being dead, he yet speaketh. He's dead, he's gone, but he's still speaking. And you know, that same thing can be said of all of us when we're dead and gone. We will yet be speaking, because one day they will bury your body, but your influence, for good or bad, will live on. And the memory of the just, it says, it shall be blessed. There will be people that will rejoice over the very thought of you and the righteous life that you lived. And every one of us needs to think about the dignity of the saints. And we ought to determine in our heart that we're going to leave a legacy of faith. Our children depend upon that. They need that desperately. Far more than silver and gold or anything else that you might leave them They need a legacy of faith. They need to be able to look on your life and find an example for theirs. The famous preacher Robert Murray McShane many years ago summed it up like this. He said, live so as to be missed. Wouldn't that be wonderful? So as to be missed. And and, and I can guarantee you, if you live the life of the just person, the righteous person, you'll be missed when you're gone. You'll be remembered when you're gone because our life always affects the lives of others. They're going to bury you, but your influence, like an invisible hand reaching out from the grave, is going to be directing someone else's life. We better make sure that our memories are good memories and that that our memories make a contribution to others. Every one of you can think of someone, whether it's a friend or a relative, it might be someone who was a member of this church, and they're dead and they're gone. And the very mention of their name all of a sudden causes you to rejoice because they left behind a legacy of faith. They left an example for you to follow and you can think back to the life that they lived and what it meant to you and what it meant to others. And every one of us ought to determine, you know, we want to die with that kind of a dignity so as to be well remembered of those that are yet living. But not only do we see the dignity of the saints, notice we see here the duty of the survivors those that are yet living, although this is a, a statement of fact, the ancient Jews took this verse here as a precept obligating us to remember others. And that's why I mentioned over in, the, in Psalms 112 where it says, "...the righteous shall be an everlasting remembrance." And they considered it a responsibility, a duty that we had to remember those that had gone on before. And this Memorial Day, we need to remember what it's all about. That we have an obligation to remember those that contributed to our welfare. I think it's so sad today that we've made it all about uh, picnics, all about barbecues, all about... You know, just fun and family. And all of that's well and good, by the way. But that's not the important thing about Memorial Day. The important thing is that we pause and that we remember those that made a contribution to our lives. I can remember when they shipped home the what was supposed to be the body of my Uncle Emory and uh, and uh, the sorrow that it brought to my to my mother and to my uncle Glenn and their broken hearted. and grandma and grandpa, they had already died even before that. And finally sometime, you know, there in Korea, they found evidently some bits of his remains and sent them back. And uh, and all of us can think of someone that died on our behalf on the battlefield, I think some of the some of the at that time young men that I that I went to school with, and uh, the fact that they never they never came home from Vietnam, a lot of them never made it back. They didn't have any idea why they were even over there to start with they went over there because they felt that that was their responsibility as an american to go and to and to do the bidding of the leaders of our country and they went and they they suffered and they died and we can look back through history and see one example after another after another and that ought to bring three things to our mind we ought to be thankful for their endeavors because we have been, we have been so blessed to enjoy privileges that most of the world doesn't know anything about. And the freedom that we have and the blessings that we enjoy—these things were purchased for us, bought. For us by the blood, sweat, and tears and the very lives of those that have gone before. We ought to be thankful for their endeavors, but we ought to be taught by their example. In other words, not only should we be inspired and give thanks for what they did, but it ought to provide for us instruction as well as inspiration that that we ought to be willing to do as they did and even, if necessary, give our lives on behalf of others. Learn from their example and we ought to be transformed by their efforts. It's so sad to see those that are doing their best to tear apart the very fabric of America today. And all of this is intentional, they have an agenda and they're working toward that very end. And you and I, as the children of God, and you and I, as the recipients of all of these blessings that were bought and paid for by the blood of other people, we ought to put forth our very best effort in in not letting their deaths be in vain. Their example ought to move us to minister if they were willing to die that we might enjoy these blessings, why shouldn't we be willing to live in order to meet the needs of others? It's so sad that so many times we, you know, we wait till people die before we remember them as we should. I've often, uh, in fact, I still communicate with the son of this particular preacher that I have in mind and And he and his whole family was affected greatly. I'll never forget visiting his dad shortly before he died there in a hospital. This man had gained a good reputation uh, all across the land, one of the most well-known of all of our independent Baptist preachers. And I stood there in the hospital room with him, and he knew his time was short. And we visited for a while and had prayer and uh, the church literally there treated him like garbage and his widow and just and later on, because of the fame that he had gained among other preachers, they put up this gigantic portrait out of him out in the foyer of the church and made a big deal out of the fact that he had been their pastor, and it just made me sick to my stomach to think about. How that they were using this man's reputation in order to in order to boost their ego as a church, and all of the time that he was living all of the time he was living, most of the members really had no respect for him at all, evidently with the way they treated him i'll never forget talking to one of the deacons, and this was within a week after the man had died, and he was already, you know, making plans for what they were going to to do next. And it's so sad that so many times we think of people that have made a great contribution to our life, and they're here, listen, listen, we we ought to be so transformed by the example of those that died, so energized by their example that we would do everything within our power to show our appreciation for those that are yet living, those that are yet serving, those that are yet making contributions on our behalf. We ought to be willing to give ourselves sacrificially toward Their needs. But then look at our verse again, and there's something else here that oftentimes gets overlooked. Not only do we see the dignity of the saints here, not only do we see the duty of the survivors, but notice the disgrace of the sinner. It says, But the name of the wicked shall rot. The famous commentator Matthew Henry said, Bad men are and shall be forgotten or spoken of with contempt. When their bodies are putrefying in the grave, their names also shall rot. Bev and I was in some place yesterday, I believe it was yesterday, and there was this sweet little baby, and uh, wherever we are, a baby gets her attention, and... uh, and we were walking down this aisle, and she stopped and said, "Oh, how cute!" And started talking to the mother and the baby, and said, uh, uh, "What's the baby's name?" And the and the woman said, uh, "Reagan." Well, you know what happened then, you know. Uh, then the conversation struck up because it so happens that we have a Reagan here this morning, and it, you know, it's so sweet the very mention of the name you know that uh, someone that we that we love dearly but you know i don't know one single kid named uh, Jezebel <laughs> <laughs> or, or Ahab how about Ahab i don't know anyone named Nero or Hitler uh, who wants to live with a name like that And you see, this is the point of the message here. This is the disgrace of the sinner. The name of the wicked shall rot. And you and I need to ask ourselves this question. How will we be remembered? You you need to think about that. How are you going to be remembered? Solomon said a good name is rather to be chosen than great riches and loving favor rather than silver and gold. A good name more important than having great riches. Let me ask you, is a good name that important to you? Well, it should be. And as we honor those who live well, we ought to resolve to do the same. As we pay tribute to those who died... On our behalf, we ought to determine that we're willing to do the same and to give of ourselves sacrificially for those that are yet living. Mark Twain said, Let us endeavor so to live that when we come to die, even the undertaker will be sorry. That's good advice. In other words, we ought to make such an impact on all of those around us that that we're going to be missed, kind of like the little girl said after her classmate had died and someone asked her about the death of her classmate and they had had the funeral and she said it was so much easier to be good when she was with us. Wouldn't it be wonderful if that could be said of each and every one of us? It was so much easier to be good when they were here with us, the inscription on a, on a grave ex, expressed that very thing. Somebody said, aspire to inspire before you expire. Charles Spurgeon said that a good character is the best tombstone. So many people spend thousands of dollars on tombstones that are engraved in granite with, with words of flowery speech trying to eulogize the person and, and exalt them and leave a great memory of them. But let me tell you, far more important than what they put on your tombstone is what you write on the door-facing of the lives of those that you come in contact with every day whether it's family or friends, whether it's neighbors or co-workers or classmates. It needs to impact them. And remember, the name of the wicked shall rot. You see, there are two kinds of people here. There are those that are just and those that are wicked. Do you realize that's the only two kinds of people there are in the world? You can divide the whole world up, into not into colors, not into education, but you can divide the whole world up into one of two classes. You're either saved or you're unsaved. Every person in this room is in one of those two classes. You're either a child of God or, as the Bible describes, a child of the devil. You're either born again or you're lost. One of the two. And here he's speaking about the name of the just. And please understand that when he talks about someone that is just, he's not talking about somebody that's perfect. He's talking about somebody that is just in the sight of God. And and the fact of the matter is, none of us are righteous in and of ourselves. That's something that has to be supplied for us. And the most important thing about the name is making sure that your name is written down in the Lamb's book of life. Because regardless of what anybody else says about you, it's all in vain if your name's not in the book of life. In Matthew chapter 7, one of the saddest things in all of the Bible is there described by Jesus when he talks about those religious people that one day will appear before him. And as they stand before him, they're going to say to him, you know, uh, have we not prophesied in your name? We've done these good works in your name. These are people that have even supposedly done miracles in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they even claim to have cast out devils in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, by outward appearance, you think, Boy, these folks have got it all together. They're red hot on fired, sold-out, dedicated, born-again Christians. And Jesus will say unto them in that day, Depart from Me, ye workers of iniquity. I never knew you. It's not like He's saying that there was a time when I knew you, but because of your terrible failures, all of a sudden I have disowned you. He's saying, I never I never knew you. Their name was not in the Lamb's book of life. And I'm telling you, if your name's not recorded in the Lamb's Book of Life, you don't stand a chance. The memory of the just, it will be blessed, but the name of the wicked shall rot. You're in one of those two classes this morning. I'm not asking you if you're a member of the church or whether or not you've been baptized or, or anything else. I don't care what denomination you are or what position you hold in the church, none of that really matters if you've not been born again. Can you imagine leaving this world and all of a sudden appearing before the Lord thinking that all is well with your soul? And evidently that's It's what happens to some people. You see, it would be a whole lot better for a person to realize their lost estate than to think they've got it all together. Somebody says, well, you know, just as long as you're sincere, you know, it doesn't matter all that much what you believe, just as long as you're sincere. Well, evidently those folks were sincere. You know, if somebody had tapped them on the shoulder and asked them, hey, do you... Do you know you're going to heaven when you die? Oh, they would have said, oh, absolutely. And you could have said, well, how do you know that? And they would have even mentioned the name of Jesus according to their own testimony. They would have mentioned the name of Jesus. These aren't people worshiping Buddha or, you know, off into some Eastern mystical religion of some sort. These are people that are religious and their religion involves Jesus and yet he says I never knew you does he know you does he know you we put all of this emphasis on whether we know Christ or not and and, and we should but the main thing is does he know you It's kind of like the little saying, you know, we often sing the song, Jesus loves me, this I know. But you can also say, Jesus knows me, this I love. He knows me. Because if He doesn't know you, you certainly don't know Him. The name of the wicked shall rot. Maybe you're here today and you're thinking, "Well, preacher, you know, I'm not. Um, you know, I'm not a Christian. I've never made a profession of faith, as you say. But I'm surely not classified as somebody that is wicked. I've never robbed a bank. I've I've never stolen anything from someone. I, you know. I never took two hundred dollars out of somebody's purse. Some people do stuff like that, you know. So how can you how can you say that I ought to be worried about whether I'm going to heaven or hell? Because it's talking about the wicked there. I'll leave you with this one thought. The Bible says in Acts 17, God. Command, commandeth all men everywhere to repent. It, look, this is not an invitation to salvation. It's not like the Lord saying that, that I want you to be saved and I'm inviting you to be saved. That's a glorious thought, but it goes beyond an invitation. He commands everyone everywhere. To repent. And you might be the best sinner in town, but you're a dirty, rotten, sinful rascal headed for a devil's hell until you repent and receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Look, I don't know how else to say it. That's just the fact. That's exactly what I was, and that's what, what every person was until... They obeyed God's command to repent and to turn to Jesus Christ. And when that happens, you can have the assurance that your name is recorded in the Lamb's book of life. And it won't ever be blotted out. And you can leave here with the assurance of heaven in your heart. And joy in your soul, knowing that He paid your sin debt. It's either that or the name of the wicked shall rot. One of the two. Let's stand together. Father, how we thank You for for the sacrifice that others have made on our behalf, and most of all for the sacrifice that Jesus made that we might be free. And Lord, today we are so grateful for those that have provided our freedom that we're most of all thankful for the, what Jesus did in providing our spiritual deliverance, giving us eternal life and a home in heaven. And Lord, today I just pray that you'll speak to the heart of those that, that are here that are unsaved, help them to realize the seriousness of rejecting what you provided in the death of Christ. We oftentimes think about what ingrates we would be to not appreciate the sacrifice of the soldiers that, that died on our behalf. How awful it would be that we would forget them. But dear Lord, it's 10,000 times worse for us to neglect the sacrifice that Jesus made on our behalf. And for that unsaved person to walk away from here today in their unsaved condition, it's as though they are trampling underfoot the precious blood of the Son of God. Help them to see the seriousness of that sin and repent before it's too late. Bless us now, not because we deserve anything, but because we we ask it all in Jesus' dear name. Amen.